Welcome to Pocket Fiction by Steve Cook. Noctis Point, Chapter 30. Ariadne turned the soft screen around to show Reeve. They're coming. On the screen, a deadly blossom of red dots was bursting away from the moons of Jupiter, hot on the heels of a smaller cloud of blue dots. Those represented the fleeing Terran navy. Is there any chance that the navy will stop here and make a last stand? Reeve said, taking a swig of whiskey. But Ariadne was already shaking her head. Not a single chance. Father's hanging you out to dry because you've been made to look useless. You're a delaying factor now, nothing more. Bastard, Reeve said, and Ariadne nodded her agreement. How long have we got? Turning the soft screen back around, the princess tapped a few commands. About 30 hours, she said. Why so long? Half-light travel should mean it's more like 30 minutes. Because the Jovians aren't travelling at half-light. They're using their own ships rather than machine-given ones. Ariadne shrugged. Maybe their alliance doesn't stretch as far as we think. I'm amazed they even have space travel, Reeve muttered. Sarah came in, carrying a tray of tea and sweet cakes which she placed on the desk. Ariadne picked up a small round cake. Actually, there's evidence to suggest they were once quite an advanced race, she said. It's almost as if their state of farming community was a chosen thing. We know they had spaceflight, or else how could they have spread between the Jovian moons? So, what are we planning? Honestly? Ariadne shook her head. No real plans here. I think you're screwed. We have to assume that the army coming is fully augmented and completely immune to your psychs. I've seen your few alternatives. Burn them, throw things at them, that sort of thing. I've got a grander idea, but it's only as good as the psychs you can commit to it. Go on. Ariadne got up and walked over to the window. Down on the quad, a small group of psychs were taking turns to hurl fireballs at a small metal target, which was already glowing cherry red with the heat. The grass was brown and black in a large area around it, and acrid smoke was floating up to the top of the dome. We need your strongest and best psychs on top of the dome when they come down. They'll come through that dome, Reeve. It's what I'd do. They don't need the atmosphere. Sure, they can breathe it, but they're more comfortable in a thinner, higher oxygen atmosphere like on Europa and Ganymede. So they come in through the dome, collapse it, kill everyone underneath it, and they own the base. You need your brightest and best up there to stop the ships physically, like batting flies away. Do you have any idea what you're asking? Reeve shook his head. The sort of mental effort that it would require to move a ship, something of that weight and mass, it would be like taking a blender to a brain. Let's assume we could even do this. There aren't enough of us here, even if we took a ship each, Reeve said, sweat beading his forehead despite the coolness of the office. The smaller craft we could maybe do something with, but those larger ones presumably carry ground troops. After most of my best psychs are brain dead, thanks to the effort required to shove those ships away, we're taken out at ground level by those anti-psych spiders. You wouldn't have to shove the ships, just nudge them off course, Sarah said, dropping a sugar cube into her tea. Just make a wedge-shaped wall and watch them slide off. Young lady, you have no idea, Reeve said. Don't condescend to either of us, Ariadne said sharply. 
We're telling you what you can do to save the lives of everyone here. Do you have a better idea? Looking like he'd been slapped, Reeve looked from the servant girl to the princess, but Ariadne simply stared back at him. He deflated and took more whiskey, ignoring the tea. Very well. I'll discuss with the senior staff. His eyes narrowed. Maybe we could use Elsie to network the defenders together, bolster their strength that way. That's more like it. Next, have you made any progress with the anti-Psych Jovian sample we gave you? Some very promising lines of research have been opened, Reeve began, but Ariadne waved her hand. We need this stuff now, Reeve. Do you have anything? No, the man replied. We were hoping to have years to study the thing, not weeks. Ask him about Rasputin, Sarah said, and Ariadne nodded. She snatched up the soft screen and keyed up one of the pictures from the recon run. Rasputin Tenevsky's face was slightly blurred, but it was clearly him. His ice-blue eyes stared out from under mousy brown hair, his mouth caught in mid-tew. This is one of yours, Ariadne said. I want to speak with him as a matter of some urgency. The coordinator's son? Reeve shook his head. He was shipped out of here about two weeks ago. Something about one-to-one training off-site. Elsie's voice broke in. Actually, sir, Rasputin Tenevsky was reported back on site yesterday. He's currently in the quad. Ariadne all but ran to the window. She put her soft screen up onto it, static electricity holding it in place. Camera, she said, then enhance. The image of the courtyard zoomed in, showing the trainees in greater detail. One of them turned and walked away, then paused and looked up. Freeze, Ariadne said, looking straight into the eyes of Tenevsky. Him. This little shite is a traitor to the Empire and a terrorist. He held me captive a week ago and mind-raped me. Have him killed. Ariadne heard Sarah gasp behind her, and even Reeve looked taken aback. Your Imperial Highness, I... With fury in her eyes, Ariadne whipped round. Am I your Imperial Highness suddenly? Not some visiting notary to be tolerated? Then this is a thing you will do, Reeve. Have that boy removed from his cohort and put down. I'll see what I can do, Reeve said, moving slightly away and putting a finger to his ear. Aware that he was communicating with someone else, Ariadne let the silence hang. Sarah came over to her, mouth slightly open, eyes wide. Go on, Ariadne said. Tell me I'm a horrible person. Sarah shook her head. I've just never seen you so determined and cold. I've never had my mind turned inside out by a psych young enough to still be in school, Ariadne said. I will not let one child destroy our best hope for stopping the Jovians or delaying them so long that it won't make a difference either way. This is your father talking, Ariadne thought to herself, but she pushed the words down. Sometimes the hard decisions have to be made. I... I understand, Sarah said. Reeve came back over, and Sarah moved slightly away. I've made arrangements for the boy to be taken from the training and detained, he said, but I will not just give the order to have him put down as you said, and my staff are in agreement. Our stance of independence gives us that right, Highness. Then have the atmosphere removed from the room he's in, or get one of your other more bloodthirsty students to do it, Ariadne said. Just make sure he's far away from here when the Jovians attack. We could have him driven up to the abandoned Foundation base near the North Pole, Reeve said quickly. That is easier to organise. 
Ariadne grit her teeth. You do realise that he is wanted for terrorism on Earth, and that by aiding and abetting a known criminal... That is my final decision, Highness. I'm sorry. Our records show he has been on the base for at least the last fortnight. For a moment, Ariadne yearned to lash out at Reeves' pudgy face. Then she turned away from him, forcing herself to relax. Do it. Get him away from me. And get your AI to check the records. They've obviously been falsified. You said yourself he shipped out two weeks ago. Ariadne watched as four members of staff approached the boy, exchanged a few words, and then arranged themselves around him. He looked up once, seeming to meet her eyes, and a small smile touched his features. Then they walked into one of the buildings and she detached the soft screen. How many ships have you got here, Reeve? How many can we evacuate? Three shuttles. We could evacuate perhaps half of the total population that way. There are enough slick suits equipped for Martian atmosphere for everyone, though. That was always the first line of escape, given a fire, explosion, some sort of environmental problem. And we would lose Elsie, of course. Your pet AI is not my concern, Ariadne said. Saving people is. Apart from that boy? Reeve grimaced. Hypocrisy has always been a hallmark of Imperial rule, Highness, but I always thought you above it. Ariadne stared at the old man, unbent. He wasn't saying it out of rebelliousness or out of trying to get a rise out of her, she realised. He was saying it because it was true. I thought you'd decided he wasn't going to be killed anyway, she said quietly. Can we focus on the matter at hand? Of course. Reeve settled back into his big leather seat. Ariadne noticed that some of the composure was back in his demeanour, and she made a conscious effort to relax herself. The base to the north. Can we evacuate to there? Reeve shook his head. Not with this sort of notice. It's not set up to be habitable for the whole population. Which is how many? About three hundred, including all student and faculty. Most of the students are in various stages of training, but there's a unit of twenty-five that were ready to enter the PO or the army, Reeve said. There are some that have only been here a month, though. Ariadne tapped at a soft screen, adding information in no real order. What weapons do you have here? Reeve waved his hand. Nothing much. We have... You are the primary research centre for weapons in the Empire, Ariadne cut in, then checked herself as he bristled again. I mean, do you have anything experimental that could be produced? We don't have the facilities to mass-produce anything, but... There are a few experiments that might be persuaded to bear fruit, I suspect. He rubbed his temples wearily. But you heard me last night with the department heads. They're scientists, not soldiers. They're scared. They're not powerful psychs, just very intelligent. And that's not enough. It might be, Sarah said, when psyching lets you down. Ariadne nodded. Get whatever you have out there and get the students and staff training with them. Give the weapons to the least capable Sykes to begin with. We have, she checked the soft screen, 29 hours and 34 minutes to muster whatever kind of defense we can. You've been listening to chapter 30 of my novel, Noctis Point. If you've enjoyed this episode, why not check out stevecookfiction.com where you'll find more episodes and blogging about fiction. <laughs>